Well, hey, hey, welcome to today's episode. I have a special guest. Nate Skelly is the founder of Financial Pathway, and he is a financial advisor that helps people in all areas of finances, from helping them make a financial plan uh, to helping them invest and things like that. I highly recommend Nate. So if you are interested in connecting with Nate, just head over to his website, nateskelly.com. He's got a podcast and other content he puts out, and you can just get on a call with him if you want and he will give you great advice. Well, I'm so excited to get to today's conversation. My name is Luke Clayton, and this is Connection Culture. So here's the thing. So can we talk about cryptocurrency for a second? Well, that was actually my next thing. I was going to say, hey, what what is this cryptocurrency, Bitcoin? What is it? Is it Doge? Dogecoin? That's like the rage. At time of recording, that is like the rage right now, man. What is it? I I put that out there on the internet and I got lots of different answers. I say Doge. So we're going to go with Doge. But yes, let's dive Um, into that because that that is something I'm actually curious about. I'm like, what is going on? What is this thing? (laughs) Well, it's something that I – it's just something – like here I am, I, I work from my home. Um, so I get in my home office here and, uh, you know, obviously I, I talk to clients and, 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 and all that on a regular basis, but, um, and then podcasts and all that, but, but sometimes I'm just here and I'm reading news and I'm thinking and, and I'm, if I'm driving the car, a lot of times I'm having conversations with myself. So actually having a, a, a real conversation with another person, it's almost like, I just want to be like, let me tell you everything that I've been thinking. So and cryptocurrency is one of those things that I just, I see all the time now on my timeline. I see it in the news and there's a lot of it that I just kind of personally enjoy with like Dogecoin. I find the memes hilarious, like to the moon and all that stuff. Like I get a kick out of it, but at the same time I am concerned because the cryptocurrency movement has a lot of this, has a lot of similarities, a lot of the same signs of a speculative bubble. I'm not saying that it is because I don't know. And, and, and I don't think anybody truly knows until it actually happens. So I'm not saying, hey, I'm going on record. I'm making a prophetic statement. What I'm saying is I'm very concerned. And this is, this is, this is something I think people need to be aware of. Have you, um, have you ever heard of tulip mania back in like the 1600s? Have you ever heard that story? Nah, man. Anything that happened like before the 1900s, I'm like, well, did that really even happen? So no, not heard of it. <laughs> okay. So this is, I don't think most people are aware of this, but it's a really cool piece of investing history. Back in the 1600s, the Holland, the Netherlands was like one of the world's superpowers economically. Like they were really rich and they're still like a first world country today. But uh, like back then they were one of the top dogs and tulips, which, you know, they're famous for that had be kind of become a craze in Europe because, and I don't, I don't even know the first thing about like tulip planting and, and, gardening and all that, but apparently they grow really well in certain climates and seasons and, and they're unique flowers. Anyway, they just became popular. So all of a sudden it was like, wow, there's money to be made in like selling tulip bulbs, like the seeds. And so, you know, as, as demand rose, so did the price. And then as prices rose, that attracted more attention and people thought, Hmm, wow why don't I buy some tulip bulbs and sell them? And then as more money piled in, it just became this, like it, it just it just built on top of each other. It became a, a bubble. 
and to where literally, and we don't have all like the, the, the information is, is a little bit scarce because it was 400 years ago. Um, but I mean, the prices just got way out of hand. Like people were literally paying like multiple times what somebody would make as a yearly salary for one tulip bowl for like the, you know, a really rare type of tulip. Like it was insane. And all it was, was, and, and that's what a speculative bubble is. It's when prices have risen beyond the intrinsic value of that asset. The price is up here and the actual value is down here. It's a bubble. And, uh, so, and so, so not to interject, but just so I think, so that I follow, so it's almost like it's, it's got artificial value. Like it's, it's more or yeah. less, it's just expensive because everybody thinks it's expensive. Is that more or less? Okay, cool. Yeah. Very right. interesting. It's, it's, it's worth something because I can find somebody else who will pay more than what I paid. Hmm. Okay. And it's also what drives it too. Like, I mean, I think Doge is probably a perfect example. Like Doge was started as a joke. Like it's a meme currency. Like nobody was actually planning to use Doge for anything. It was just, you know, like take that financial system, Doge coin, you know, which is funny. But you've got people that are like legitimately like, no, 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 no. This thing's going to the moon. And they think it's going to the moon because more people are going to jump on this thing after me. And they're going to pay more than what I paid for it. But is it actually worth anything? Can you do it with Doge? No. Is it actually going to be used as currency? I highly doubt it. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I highly doubt it. So, you know, maybe some people are just having fun with it. They're like, oh, I threw 20 bucks or 50 bucks at it. And if I lose it, whatever. Okay. But there's a lot of people that have put a serious amount of, of, of money into this thing. So here's the thing, like, here's my thoughts on, on cryptocurrency. Like it has a lot of those same hallmarks because with speculative bubbles, what you're going to see is, uh, you know, really rapid uh, uh, rise in prices. You're going to see that, you know, people have this attitude of, well, this time it's different. Like throw out all the old rules because they don't apply here. This is a different thing. And, and usually... It's not like when, whenever you start people when you whenever you start hearing people say, "Well, this time is different." Uh, that's that's I mean that's a red flag to me. Um, another sign is that you've got a lot of the interest is driven by people who are speculating, not investing. Like investing is is buying something that you know has a reasonable probability to increase or to to give you income over time. Speculation is something where it's an unknown entity could go way up, could go way down. And you're hoping it's going to go way up, like, like in a windfall fashion. So you got people that really don't know the industry. They don't really have a background or knowledge about the industry, but they have a belief that this thing really could blow up. So they want to get in on it. Um, you know, irrational optimism. Sometimes you, you talk to people that invest in cryptocurrency. It's like they, won't, they don't even want to entertain the thought that this could all just collapse. They're like, this is it. This is the future. If you can't see it, you're an idiot. You know, just kind of an irrational optimism. I'm not saying being optimistic is wrong, but there's an irrational optimism sometimes. All of these, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or the dot-com bubble burst or the tulip mania or anything in between, it's all kind of that same pattern of, wow, here's some potential. There's excitement. And then there's a, a second wave of interest as things keep, continue to pile high, higher 
And then it just sort of gets into the, into the, to the zeitgeist to where it's like, it's so popular that you're getting, you're getting everybody telling you to buy this thing. Like it's whether it's your, your, your barber or your plumber or your coworker, it's like people that are not in the industry, people that are not financial advisors or like just regular people are telling you like that, that to me is all very much a red flag. So could Bitcoin or Ethereum or one of these other ones, could they actually end up being what we start to use as currency? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility, but honestly, Luke, like what I think is probably going to happen is that blockchain technology and digital currency is the future. Okay. I'm just giving you my opinion here. Um, I think, I think those things are, are very helpful. And I think those are probably going to, probably going to stay, but I think that the currency that we end up using, if it goes to a digital currency form is not out there yet. Hmm. Gotcha. And Ah. in whatever form it's going to take is something yet to come because you have to think about who is incentivized or, or, or what, I mean, really what is currency in the first place? If not something that we all agree on as a means of exchange, right? Like a $20 bill that's in my wallet, it's a piece of paper. It only has value because we all agree it has value. Yeah. So currency at, at, in a sense, is kind of a weird concept anyway, when you yeah. really start to think about it. But who's best positioned to, 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 to structure a currency in such a way to where we all can agree that it has value? It's a government entity because they have the ability to place on currency the value that it has and to produce it in such a way where it, 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 it can be a, a, a somewhat stable store of value. Like, it's kind of funny because you invest in cryptocurrency and it's like, well, what is it? Well, it's currency. Oh, oh, okay. So you buy and sell things with it? But there's a couple of places you could. Well, do you use it? No. So it's like, would like, would you invest in Amazon stock and then use Amazon stock to pay for your groceries? Would you do that? No. No. Why, that wouldn't make any sense. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's one of those going back to common sense. No, not absolutely not. No. So it, it just like like the common sense test. A lot of times, it just sort of fails that. It's like okay. So eventually it'll get to the place where we do use it as currency and we won't invest in it anymore. But I, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm going down on a tangent. Yeah, no, I, I got you. And, and honestly, um, I, I want to circle back to one thing because it's some, it's a term that gets thrown out there. Um, and, uh, and that's blockchain. Uh, I do love the uh, concept of blockchain technology. Uh, and you know, for those out there that are like, okay, you know, all this and it's, it is, it's very deep deep stuff because it's a fairly new technology. Uh, but blockchain basically, and there's also techie people out there that are going to be like, no, Luke, you're oversimplifying it. But this is basically what it is, is the idea is that when you store information, usually, you know, for example, we talk about the cloud. So something like Dropbox or Google drive. Okay. That gets, you know, your file, it gets uploaded to Google servers or, uh, Amazon servers or whatever. Well, with blockchain technology, it's actually taking 
the data there and it's actually storing it in multiple places. So, you know, where this might be stored on this server and this is on this server and this is on this server. Uh, and the, what's awesome about that, and again, I don't want to dive down this hole too far, but when it comes to things like, uh, you know, people talk about the, the power of big tech. Well, it really, uh, and that's why I, I like to see the future of it is it's really going to kind of take away some of that monopoly that they have because now the data is going to be stored in multiple places and no one person is going to have, you know, full control of it. Um, and again, there's going to be techie people out there like, eh, well, it's more complicated than that. I know that. But, uh, and this is the idea. Ideas with cryptocurrency is built on this technology. The idea that there's no one person that can control it. Uh, there's no uh, Fed, you know. Uh, there's just it's everybody essentially controls it. So, anyways, uh, again, you can correct me if there's anything wrong there, but um, no, that blockchain that, technology is pretty fascinating. Yeah, and I'm not the person who's going to be, um, you know, the, the the resident expert on blockchain technology. But I, I think that's a good. Way of explaining it. It's these. It's decentralized, you know, instead of keeping all of your information in a vault that if somebody hacks into, they've got it. It's 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 in all these different places. And if somebody tries to manipulate it in one place, the ledgers in all the other locations will say, "Eh, nope, that's not right. Um, So, yeah, I think I think that's very promising. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense and has a lot of applications to business and to finance. But here's what I would say, like sometimes people are like, Nate, should I invest in cryptocurrency? Um, I'll tell them my thoughts on it and why I think ultimately the forms that cryptocurrency take now, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that they will uh, live up to the value that they're currently at, but I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm willing to say that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, from my vantage point, I don't think that it's a smart investment. Um, but for those that are saying like, like if you're really convinced if you're really like, man, I just, I just really think I should be investing in cryptocurrency. I think it's a smart thing. Okay, if you must understand a couple things, you have to be comfortable with the reality that all the money that you invest in cryptocurrency can lose ninety nine percent of its value. It's probably not going to lose a hundred percent of its value. Could I suppose if you put it all in one type of coin? Then yeah. Um, you have to be comfortable with that fact. Like I don't, I, I don't know what the probability of that is, but it's a probability. It, it, it's a, it's a possibility for sure. Um, also, just like anything, you need to be diversified. I would never tell somebody to put twenty percent of their money in Amazon, even if I thought Amazon was like poised to take over the world. I'd be like. Don't. Which they probably are, just a side note. Right. If any company is, it's probably Amazon. It's Amazon, Google, or Apple, or Facebook. One of them is going to take over the world eventually. Yes. Don't put more than 5% of okay. your overall portfolio. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah. And, and I think that's – yeah. And like you said, that that's kind of the general advice that you give on investing in general is, you know, hey, don't put all of your uh, investment into one company, uh, one stock, and in this case, uh, one uh, you know, kind of sector, if you will, of cryptocurrency. So, yeah, I think that's really good. Well, I, yeah, and, and I'm I, I'm glad we got on that because that's something. Um, I don't know if we necessarily uh, that was in our plan for discussion today, but that was really helpful to even <laughs> me because you know I see all of this and and I'm like, man, because yeah, there is the part of you that's like, what if I'm missing out? 
you know, what if I'm missing out yeah. on this? You know, but um, You're missing out. Yeah. I, I think I think it circles back to something that you you know mentioned earlier, and what it comes down to is it's about it's about playing the long game. Uh, it's not uh, you're you're not gonna get rich quick. Uh, you're not going, not to say that, I mean, it could, like it could happen, but your chances of, you know, winning the lottery essentially in the stock market or in crypto, you know, oh, you know, and just getting rich kind of overnight or over the course of a, even a few weeks or a few months, it's, it's very, uh, those chances are very slim. Uh, and so it's all about, you know, playing and that, again, that's where it's boring. Uh, you got to play that long game and, uh, yeah, stay in the long run. Quotes on that. These are not original to me, but. Um, actually, I said I forwarded this on, on my Facebook page just the other day, but no one wants to get rich slowly. Warren Buffett said that because he was asked one time, why don't people just do what you did? And, and Warren Buffett is a very boring investor. He would basically be the guy who back in the day looked and poured over like the fundamentals of companies, looked at their balance sheet and their earnings and just and then he would buy companies that he felt like were their price was lower than their actual value. She's like, wow, look at it. I think their value's up here and their, their, their stock price is about 70% of that. I'm going to buy this. And it's not super exciting. A lot of times these were just very like generic, regular stocks. And, um, and he's a billionaire. He's, he's, you know, uh, he's one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific investor. And you know, when, he was, when he was asked, why don't people just do what you did? They're like, no one wants to get rich slowly. It just takes time. Like, it doesn't happen overnight in a windfall fashion. And that's what's driving a lot of what we see today in the gamification of investing. People don't want to invest in something that goes up or down 1% in a day. They want to buy something that's going to go up 10, 20% in a day. That's exciting. That's fun. But that's also probably going to lead to a pretty reckless result. Um, and then um, I, there, was, there was something else I was going to say. So no one wants to get rich slowly. Um, and I lost it, but it was it was back to to what you're saying there about um, just our, just our approach toward um, toward investing. So yeah, I, I lost yeah. Well, you know, um, and again, you know, that's why people need to jump on your podcast because I'm sure that nugget of wisdom, if it's not already out there, it's going to come soon. Drop it on uh, Financial Pathway Podcast uh, soon. So check that <laughs> out. Uh, and seriously, I, I will. I'll give one last. And I know, we, like I said, you, you didn't want this to turn into an infomercial for for you necessarily. But I will say, if you are looking for help, the the, the awesome thing about Nate is uh, he. And I will. I, I do. I want to kind of give a, a little one last little piece of personal testimony as we wrap up here. Um, you know, when I first approached you. Um, you know, and I, you know, I say, Hey, I know I need a financial advisor, whatever we met. And, you know, you didn't tell me, okay, what you need to do right now is invest into these products. And you, you didn't try to sell me a product. Uh, in fact, the advice that you gave me essentially, I mean, made you no money. Uh, you, you gave me advice that was good for me, uh, that, that necessarily wasn't good for you, at least at the time. And mm-hmm. so that is what I can say about Nate is that, uh, you know, he wants to, you, you want to help folks, uh, you want to, you want to point them in the right direction. And even if, you know, you mentioned this earlier, you're not the only financial advisor out there. Um, but even if you are not a good fit, uh, that's the beauty of, of you being in the, the financial world is, you know, other people, you might be able to yeah. point them to an advisor that is a better fit for them. And so, yeah, I mean, it costs nothing to get on the phone with Nate. Uh, I 
would assume just head over to uh, nateskelly.com. That's your website there. And um, uh, designed by the team at Muzzin and Grease. There's my plug. Um, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, head, head over there to, to his website and check it out. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, hey, the least you could do is just like schedule a call. And, um, you know, from uh, some things I've heard, you know, you're right now you're kind of working on outputting more content, doing some more things in, in the world of YouTube, Facebook, podcast. Uh, and who knows, by the time, by the time we release it, you may be uh, kind of in that, in that phase, you know, kind of with all that. So either way, uh, check out his website and, um, you know, get connected with Nate one way or another. And, uh, I, I really know that you will appreciate the advice he gives you. I appreciate that, Luke. I appreciate being on the podcast again with you. Always enjoy having a conversation. I remembered the quote I was trying to think of. It's, uh, good investing is like watching paint dry. That's what I was going to say. Not That's, very fun. It's not very exciting, but it works. It just yeah. takes time. We have to yeah. be patient. And not, not look yeah. at it all the time. Well, that, that and that is good. And hey, that's that's just on that note. We're going to sign off. That was great. Yeah. So thanks again for being <laughs> with us, uh, Nate. And or uh, ending on that very boring note with that piece of advice there. But uh, <laughs> that is the name of the game. Uh, but anyways, no, Nate. It was good. Good having you with us, and uh, we'll have you again sometime. Thanks, Luke. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Connection Culture. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts, or even on YouTube. Connection Culture is a production of the Must Increase Network. The show is edited and produced by Bo Snyder. Executive producer and host is myself, Luke Clayton. And if you want to help this content gets seen by others, then the biggest thing you can do is to simply like it on Facebook or YouTube and share it with your friends to help it get seen by others like you. After all, it's going to be so much more fulfilling when you get behind uh, the content you believe in, when you share, when you let others know, when you contribute in that way, because it is so much more fulfilling to be a creative contributor than to simply be a mindless, constant consumer. I'll see you next time right here on Connection Culture.